G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Just the right person in just the right place at just the right time uh, to answer your questions today, Senator Eric Abetz. Now, Senator Abetz is leader of the government in the Senate. He's Minister for Employment. He's the Minister assisting the Prime Minister for the Public Service and he's Liberal Senator for Tasmania. And your opportunity to be a part of our conversation today, you might have a tough question to put to the Senator. He is our guest this hour, Senator Eric Abetz. Welcome along to 2020. Great to be on 2020, Neil, and uh, thank you very much for hosting me a long way from home, from my home base in Tasmania, but uh, good to be in Queensland in the uh, very heart of uh, UCB's operations where vision uh, is broadcast right around the country. Senator, want to be able to spend some time today talking about this mid-year economic and fiscal outlook and what that means with a, a ballooning deficit and those things. But before we get into that, and I know that there'll be listeners who'll be wanting to address those sorts of issues, perhaps even the tough questions, uh, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. But just your preliminary thoughts on what's been unfolding in the heart of Sydney, uh, something that is a concern to every Australian, uh, that there has been a a threat there and there is a siege going on at the moment. Uh, Do you have any sort of update for us? Early this morning there was a uh, cabinet meeting and I was in fact in the heart of Brisbane with the Attorney General and uh, this uh, uh, unravelling situation uh, that we are seeing in um, um, Sydney is a matter of great concern. To whom and what it is related we need to wait and see but I'm sure everybody's thoughts and prayers would be especially with the emergency service personnel of the uh, New South Wales and Federal Police and anybody else that is engaged in this situation and especially for the hostages. So you might have uh, some input, uh, some thoughts on what's going on in Sydney. Uh, happy to hear from you too on that. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. our number. You can be a part of our talkback conversation today. Uh, Senator, let's talk about the big bombshell, I guess, that the Treasurer is delivering today. And this is a very significant update. Uh, it happens this time every year. This year it's particularly important because... Uh, uh, there have been all sorts of promises that the government's made to get the budget back under control. But what we see is a budget deficit that's ballooning. That clearly is a concern for the government. The financial situation of the government is something that we are trying to ensure is brought under control. Any good government will have what we call fiscal responsibility. We seek to manage the budget in a manner that does not mortgage the future of our children and their children. I believe it's both immoral and also economically irresponsible to keep on living today by drawing down on the future and providing our children with a huge debt. Now, the financial circumstances are that 
revenue is down. Regrettably, some of the savings measures that we actually went to the election on promised the Australian people we would make savings in these areas have been blocked in the Senate. As a result, a responsible government then has to look elsewhere to seek to make those savings because to do otherwise would be to allow the budget to blow out and at the end of the day, if you're borrowing, it is unsustainable unless there is a guaranteed income stream available that you can count on and there isn't other than the income which is coming in as we speak. So we do need to moderate our borrowings to ensure that we as a country remain economically sustainable. If I might briefly say, give me a good budget any time over a good social conscience because a good social conscience cannot deliver a good health system or a good education system or indeed good foreign aid unless there is that good economic activity that is enabling, in other words, that allows it to be funded. And so that is why, for myself, I'm very concerned to get the economic parameters right, because if we do that, people will have jobs. And if I might say, there are a lot of green sprouts ready to shoot if we do get the economic parameters right and we're going down the right track for that to happen. Senator, you went to the election saying that there is a budget emergency and then when you took power, uh, there was all sorts of debate and there has been ongoing debate as to whether there truly was a budget emergency. Uh, Do today's figures confirm that there truly is a budget emergency that we face in Australia? People use different language as to whether it's an emergency, whether it's a, a situation that we need to monitor. What I would say is the situation is unsustainable. We went to the last election when it was indicated to us that the budget deficit would be about $18 billion. When we closed the books for that financial year, it was in fact $48 billion. So a shortfall of $30 billion in 12 months. What does a responsible government do when confronted with that? Having gone to the election promising to make cuts, like, for example, the school kids' bonus, that's been denied us promises that even our political opponents said they would make by way of cuts, $5 billion worth, they've now blocked in the parliament. As a result, we do have to look elsewhere. Of course, predictions for the deficit uh, back in the May budget were somewhere in the vicinity $29.8 billion. That's now blown out to what is around $40 billion. And there have been a lot of uh, blame that's been associated for the blowing out of the deficit uh, to the previous government. At what point does this government take responsibility for the, uh, the deficit as it continues to grow? That's a very fair question. Uh, some people would like us to believe that Australian history started on the 8th of September 2013, the day of after the last election. Well, regrettably, there are a lot of legacy issues that we as a government need to deal with. And one needs to ask the question, this about $10 billion shortfall in this year's budget and economic outlook, where would we be? But for the savings we have already implemented and we are seeking to make. That is why it's so important to have good, sound 
economic management because you never know what's around the corner. Like nobody predicted the iron ore price would decrease as quickly as it has. Our terms of trade, regrettably, uh, have deteriorated the worst in about 50 years over the last 12 months. That is a serious situation, and that is why at all times you need a strong economy to be able to absorb the shocks that the world throws at us, shocks which often nobody predicts, and that is why good economic management at the end of the day underpins everything. Our special guest this hour is Senator Eric Abetz. Our talkback line is open. You can put your question directly to the Senator today. Our talkback line is 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. We're going to talk some more about the mid-year economic and fiscal outlook. Uh, Senator Abetz, uh, one of the things people don't always know about you is uh, your own faith heritage. We talk a lot about Christian Christian things on this program. Uh, we talk about building a Christian worldview, understanding what life is like from all of the different dimensions as the Bible uh, speaks into those dimensions of our lives. Could you enlarge a little uh, on your own faith foundations? Because I think listeners, no doubt, will be very interested. The Christian faith is an integral part um, of my personal life, personal journey, and uh, those that are listening in may from time to time ask questions about certain behaviours. Have I always been as controlled as I should be in the Senate or in interviews? And uh, all I would say is like all your listeners, uh, I do have my failings as well, but uh, I'm very much um, uh, strengthened inwardly by uh, my Christian faith. Um, I would like it to direct everything I do, and that, of course, is a daily challenge for all of us. But... Uh, It is what motivates me, it's what strengthens me, it is what keeps me going through the very tough times. Some people have said to me that in politics you need a thick skin, but of course as soon as that thick skin is penetrated, there is nothing left. Whereas I would like to see my Christian faith as not giving me a thick skin, but in fact an inner strength that radiates out, which means the, the deeper the cut, the stronger the defence mechanism of uh, the Christian faith. And uh, I've been very blessed uh, by my uh, Christian faith and my local church community in Kingston in Tasmania who uh, constantly pray for me, which uh, for me is a uh, a great uh, strength and a great comfort. Well, I, like many of our listeners, probably have uh, listened in to those debates that go on in the Senate, and perhaps we've heard you in top flight. Uh, The idea of being a robust uh, defender of your position, whether you're for or against that, it does actually say something about having a an inward uh, faith that is strong and so that you do have well-formed positions. Some of those positions that you would have would be uh, party political positions. And uh, and tell me about the liberal side of politics. Uh, when there is a conflict uh, with party political decisions and Christian faith, uh, usually a conscience uh, uh, vote is available. But uh, are there many times when you find that there are conflicts? Overwhelmingly, and I can personally not think of a circumstance where I have found my Christian faith to be in conflict with what I'm being asked to vote for along party lines because on the more controversial issues, 
we are given what is called a conscience vote. And of course it's always up to me at any time if I cannot go along with a majority decision to resign from the front bench and then cross the floor should uh, I be in such a dilemma. Under the stewardship of John Howard and Peter Costello, I was never in that situation. And now as part of the leadership team in Canberra, uh, under the Prime Ministership of Tony Abbott, I have not confronted that situation. Now, are there issues where I might disagree? And so, for example, you know, should the budget for um, education be X or X minus Y? Now, as far as I'm concerned... They are issues that you debate within the cabinet and when you win, you expect the losers to follow and accept the verdict. Guess what? The reciprocal is correct as well, that if I'm on the losing side, then I have to accept and go along with the winning side. But they are matters of policy that don't actually um, impact in relation to matters of being true to one's Christian faith because I do hold the view that all wisdom does not reside between my two ears and chances are the collective wisdom on economic management and portfolio directions for each of our portfolios, chances are the collective wisdom might be a better guide than my uh, own personal assessment. Opening those talkback lines, your opportunity to be a part of our conversation today, you might have uh, the tough questions for the Minister. Our special guest this hour, Senator Eric Abetz, he's the leader of the government in the Senate. And our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 to be a part of that conversation. Uh, Senator, the tough job that you've got, I suspect uh, it's an unenviable position because, as some might say, you've actually got the toughest job in the whole of the Australian government, a tougher job than the Prime Minister because uh, what can happen in the House of Representatives uh, can move through fairly freely, but once it gets to the Senate, it's your job to push things through. It's your job to be involved in the negotiations with what is an increasingly tough uh, crossbench. Uh, how do you tackle uh, what you know? Some of these big issues that you can't get uh, legislation through. Uh, the the crossbench is really a challenge to you right now. The um, Senate is a moving feast. Uh, straight after the election, I regrettably uh, described my job as uh, herding cats, and uh, I was told that was somewhat disrespectful. So uh, I referred to the crossbench as being all of God's children, and uh, that was in fact uh, accepted as a more appropriate um, uh, description. And uh, that is how I seek to treat them all as individuals, all unique and uh, with a valuable contribution to make. And we have to deal with each one of those individually or if they're in the Palmer United Party, there are now two of them, we deal with those two um, together. It is a frustrating time but also a very worthwhile time in being able to form relationships with those senators, understand what makes them tick, understand what is of concern to them and in the five sitting fortnights, that we've been operating under the new Senate, keeping in mind the new Senate only started from the 1st of July this year, in every sitting fortnight we have achieved a major policy objective, be it repeal of the carbon tax, repeal of the mining tax, important national security legislation, the direct action plan, and then in the very last session, the temporary protection visas, which will allow us to hopefully 
absolutely stop the boats, which in turn means we can have a genuinely orderly intake of refugees that is based on need as opposed to people paying criminal people smugglers to advance their cause. So in the five uh, sitting fortnights, each fortnight, we've been able to achieve a major policy objective of the new government and I'm relatively thankful with the way things have unfolded over the past six months in the Senate. Well, there's a lot of issues to talk about and your opportunity to ask the tough questions of the leader of the government in the Senate, Senator Eric Abetz, our guest, and our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Back with more Senator Abetz in just a few moments. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective, 2020. It's Neil with you on 2020, our talkback line open 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation today. You might have a tough question uh, for the leader of the government in the Senate, Senator Eric Abetz, our guest. And uh, let's take a call as we get things underway, Senator. Let's hear from Amanda in Western Australia. Hello, Amanda. Welcome along. Uh, Thank you, Neil. Um, I just have a few comments and then I have a... um something that is on my heart. So first of all, I want to say that um, our prayers is with all those people involved in this certain situation, and we're really praying for them that everything will work out fine. The secondly, I'd like to say that I can recollect that the Honourable uh, Prime Minister Tony Abbott has warned us many times uh, during his um, uh, the time that, that uh, he prepared for for the voting situation last year, that things will be tight when he will be coming uh, into office as, as they've got uh, to get the budget back on track. And we look like many people just seem to forget that. The other thing I want to say uh, is that we also need to sustain the infrastructure, and for that we need money. Um, Australians are used to get handouts from from the government, if I can can put it that way. And that is a mindset that we need to change. Um, We need to stand firm, and we also need to see that the poor is looked after, but also need to make resources available to them so that they can be trained and that they can work. Amanda, let's hear from Senator Abetz. A couple of uh, issues there that Amanda's raising, Senator. Amanda, look, thanks for the call. Your prayerful support of the Sydney situation, those that are engaged in the dealings with the uh, perpetrator of the hostage situation, they need all the wisdom and insight that they can possibly get. So your prayerful support, and from all listeners around the country, I'm sure, uh, greatly appreciated. The We did go to the last election saying that uh, our overarching task was to get the budget back into shape and that is where I personally find a degree of frustration where we from time to time are accused of breaking promises by making cuts or savings in areas we had not anticipated making cuts in because those areas that we had actually publicly announced before the election where we did want to make savings have been denied to us by the parliament and what do you do as a responsible government you then look 
to those other areas, keeping in mind that you may have said, well, we don't intend to make savings in a particular area because we want to make them elsewhere. So, look, that is a frustration. And in relation to infrastructure, can I say as a government, we are rolling out the biggest infrastructure project to assist with employment and to create the infrastructure of the 21st century. And it's a bit like borrowing money to buy a house as opposed to borrowing money to pay for the groceries. If you borrow for a house, you know at the end of the day you will have a piece of infrastructure and an asset that you will be able to pass on to the next generation. Whereas if you borrow for today's groceries you know that you will be left with a debt without an asset. Amanda from WA, thank you so much for being part of 2020. Let's hear from Glenn in Tasmania. Hello, Glenn. Glenn, are you with us? Glenn in Tasmania, can you hear us? Uh, Glenn, you might need to uh, give us a call back. Uh, Glenn from Tasmania. Uh, Senator... Let me just ask you some more about the things that are happening today, the mid-year economic and fiscal outlook. Uh, we're talking about the budget, uh, the commodity prices falling. You mentioned those even accelerating in their fall. Uh, the problem's getting bigger. According to some uh, commentators, the collapse in the resources prices is going to strip something like $10 billion a year from our export income right through until around about 2017. So any promises that the budget will be coming back into surplus anytime soon really are very remote, aren't they? Clearly getting the budget back into surplus will be a more difficult task now than it was before. There is no doubt, nevertheless, that the strategy and the track we have placed the budget on will make that more achievable than it otherwise would have been. Having said that, let me say that there are a lot of green sprouts in our economy Uh, The free trade agreements will undoubtedly enable employment growth to occur. When we left government, uh, sorry, when we won government, the previous uh, economic growth had been at 1.9%. We are now well and truly in 2 plus percent economic growth. Jobs growth is occurring at a faster rate than it did in the previous year. So all the indicators are starting to move in the right direction but it does take some time for the full benefit and full fruition of that to then be reflected in the economic outcomes. But we believe we're on the right track, but still a lot of work needs to be done to clean up the mess that we did inherit. You're saying that jobs growth is on the improve, but last week's figures on employment uh, statistics, they show that unemployment's rising in Australia. Yeah, and uh, that is one of those uh, things about statistics. The statistics tell us, which I as Employment Minister found particularly encouraging, was that the participation rate had in fact increased. In other words, there are a lot more people now out in the marketplace looking for employment, and that is what helped increase the unemployment rate. Whereas in the past, those people may well have said it's all too tough and actually dropped out of the jobs market and would have told the surveying people, no, I'm not in the marketplace looking for a job, because basically they had given up hope and were no longer looking. Now that more people are looking, I think it indicates that people are thinking, well, I think there's a greater chance that I might get a job, which 
I think is a very encouraging sign. You can be a part of our conversation. Our talkback line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to be part of our conversation. You might have uh, some tough questions. No holds barred. Uh, the talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Senator Eric Abetz, our guest, leader of the government in the Senate, also the Minister for Employment. So you might have some concerns about jobs. In fact, let's talk about the cuts that are being announced today. One hundred and seventy-five. Uh, departments or agencies within government, which means there are going to be jobs lost in the public service. Uh, how do you uh, how do you appease people when these dr- drastic cuts are actually happening uh, if for public service jobs? I always remind myself that any savings made in the public service sector, especially in my role as minister assisting the prime minister on the public service, each one of those numbers is in fact a fellow Australian who will potentially be without a job. And so the seriousness of the situation is something that I deal with every single day, every waking hour. The question we need to ask ourselves is, is it sustainable having all these authorities and agencies and committees all being funded by borrowed money that the next generation will need to repay with interest, keeping in mind that as we speak, we are borrowing $1,000 million per month just to pay the interest on existing borrowings. So as we continue to increase the borrowings, as we regrettably have to, but on a lot slower trajectory than had previously been put in place, that is only going to increase. So the question is, Do we keep letting it rip, to use that term, increase our indebtedness, increase the interest rate, uh, uh, the uh, interest bill, and then leave an even bigger legacy of deficit and debt to the next generation to repay? I don't think that's right. And making the tough decisions today will avert having to make even tougher decisions tomorrow. You can be a part of our conversation. You might have one of the tough questions to ask Senator Eric Abetz. We're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Andrew in Albany in WA. Hello, Andrew. Welcome along. Hey, g'day. How are you going? Very well, Andrew. The Senator's here. What's your question? Yeah, um, I just had more of a personal question. Just wondering... Um, whether you face much persecution, um, obviously because of your faith, but uh, any persecution you face from you know, the opposition or from even your own government. Look, thank you very much for that question. I wouldn't use the word persecution when I keep in mind what some people are facing in North Africa, Syria, Iraq, um, where people are actually dying for their faith. Every now and then, yes, some uh, brick bats are thrown in my direction for my Christian faith. And the one thing that I do find um, somewhat concerning in Australian society, and Bishop Tom Frame put this very well in his book, Losing My Religion, that in the past, in Australia and elsewhere, atheism and Christianity have been able to coexist and our society worked exceptionally well. Now there is a tendency amongst a small cohort of the atheists to become what's called anti-theist. Rather than just saying, I don't believe in God, they're now 
actively saying you should not believe in God and therefore attack you and say, many a time I've been told as a responsible parliamentarian you should leave your world view at the doors of Parliament House and not bring it in. Well, my answer to that is everybody has a world view, even the atheist, and if the Christian is asked to leave his or her Christian values at the door of Parliament House, then so should the atheist. There is no such thing as somebody not having a world view, and very quickly, your world view is what you base your morality on, which is then what you base your lawmaking on, because you want to encourage good behaviour and discourage bad behaviour with lawmaking. So drilling down again, that's based on your morality, based on your world view, and I think the Judeo-Christian ethic has served us so exceptionally well. Andrew, does that answer your question? Absolutely. Uh, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much for your time. Andrew Thanks, in Andrew. Albany and WA, thank you so much for being part of 2020. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Senator Eric Abetz is our guest. Uh, Senator, interesting when you talk about these things, uh, leaving your morality outside. Of course, uh, everybody has their morality. And uh, there's a, a saying that says uh, somebody's morality is being legislated. Why not yours? And so uh, oftentimes we'll have that sort of sentiment in a conversation here on the 2020 program. Uh, obviously, uh, Christians vote. Uh, there is a Christian constituency in Australia and perhaps bigger than most people actually realise. Uh, there is a sense in which uh, there are a number of uh, smaller Christian micro-parties that have arisen because they've, they've been concerned that both sides of politics are not actually taking a Christian view on some issues. What are your concerns about the rise of Christian parties in Australia? There are a number of uh, Christian parties and the great thing in Australia is that uh, there is every right to form one's political party and then promote it within the uh, confines, of course, of the electoral law. My view is that uh, there are men and women of faith who will have differing views on the importance, for example, environmental law, employment law, uh, how much you should bring the deficit under control, all those things, and to suggest that all Christians would necessarily come to an identical landing on the whole range of issues that a parliament needs to deal with, I think is to do the Christian faith a disservice. And so I would not of necessity say that every vote that I take uh, in the parliament would be a pro-Christian and therefore anybody that votes against it must as of necessity be anti-Christian. There are men and women of faith who come to different landings on a whole host of the issues that we deal with uh, in our society and I think having that Christian pollination or seasoning in the Labour Party, in the Liberal Party, in the National Party, that is a very good thing. And, of course, there are a number of those crossbench senators, uh, some of them uh, former Liberal Party members who have left the Liberal Party and pursued uh, independent uh, careers uh, uh, as senators. Uh, do you have good relationships with them? Uh, do they appreciate that there's this sort of subliminal uh, undercurrent uh, of Christian faith that you can communicate on a different level? 
The two that I'm thinking of, Senator Jackie Lambie, used to be in the Liberal Party for a very short period of time in my home state of Tasmania, and Senator Bob Day in South Australia, who is now a family first senator. He's a man of uh, deep Christian faith, and uh, he and I have uh, shared on a number of occasions um, our um, joint uh, faith and how it helps guide us and inform us. But does that mean that Bob Day and I have voted exactly the same way in every question before the Senate? No, it doesn't. And does that mean I question his faith or he questions mine? Absolutely not. It's just that we as individuals have come to a different conclusion about uh, certain issues. Our talkback line open. You might have a question for Senator Eric Abetz. 1-800-316-316, our number, 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation. It's Neil with you on 2020. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour, Senator Eric Abetz, leader of the government in the Senate. He's also the Minister for Employment. There are some significant things that are being talked about today. We've been talking about some of the economic issues. The talkback line open for your concerns, whatever they may be, uh, on any of these issues that we're talking about, and that is a very broad range. 1-800-316-316. Senator Abetz, uh, one of the big issues, I guess, that comes up from time to time uh, is uh, issues to do with uh, Australia's uh, involvement in Middle East issues and, uh, and of course, uh, the issue of Israel. I know that you are uh, concerned with some of those things there. And in the Senate, a lot of controversy has uh, erupted of recent times, of course, with the Attorney General and uh, elements of uh, definition when it comes to whose territory is territory and whose is not, uh, whether it's occupied or whether it's uh, all sorts of other terminologies. Uh, the idea of a two-state solution is being debated now, and we're about to relinquish our role there as uh, chairmanship of the United Nations Security Council. I know that many of our listeners will be concerned about the government and support for Israel. What are your thoughts? The government is uh, very supportive of the state of Israel and its right to exist. We do support a two-state solution, but you cannot have a two-state solution if one of the states is absolutely committed to the obliteration of the other. And so that would not be a two-state solution. That would be an interim two-state solution until such time as um, the other state uh, could obliterate uh, the other. So what we need to do is to get a genuine peace deal, which would be the acknowledgement of the right of existence of both uh, states. So that is the task that the world needs to deal with. But in recent times, I have been concerned at some of the developments of the boycott, divestment and sanction uh, um, uh, campaign, the BDS, as it's called, boycott, divestment and sanctions against the state of Israel. When you think of Israel, it is the only genuine true democracy in that part of the world. It is committed to the fundamental values that we enjoy in Australia and elsewhere in the Western world where women are allowed to be educated, where uh, the freedom to choose voting, etc., all those values that we take for granted are accepted 
within the State of Israel, and as such I believe it is a beacon of democracy and freedom in a part of the world that is regrettably fraught. And having said that, uh, I trust and hope that Australia as a nation, along with the rest of the Western world, will continue to provide the sort of support that Israel deserves. A lot of issues to talk about. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to be part of our conversation, let's uh, talk briefly about China, uh, the changes that are happening, the slowdown of the economic growth in China. These things are impacting on our budget. Uh, what sort of concerns do you have about uh, Australia and uh, the way that our commodity prices are drastically affected here? Is there any real solution other than uh, increasing deficits? The suggestion has been made that if China sneezes, we might catch pneumonia. I'm not sure that it's necessarily uh, in that category, but there is no doubt that we, as an economy, rely heavily on China, and that is where our free trade agreement that we've been able to negotiate with China in recent times has such a strong value for the Australian economy. Here we are, a people of 23 million people being able to export all sorts of things into China, a population of 1,000 million people. You reverse the tables, I would imagine a lot of Chinese people look at Australia and say, right, 23 million people, that market is about the size of one of our cities. It's uh, not such a great market, whereas for Australia, China is a huge market, especially in the services sector. And one area that hasn't been picked up as much yet is that the free trade in the services sector allows us to uh, diversify our economy from the resources sector, which we so heavily reliant on China, we can put in private hospitals, private aged care facilities into China in circumstances where there is growing wealth in China and a legacy of the one-child policy. There are a lot of people who will be in the marketplace for good quality aged care and we are now right at the coalface being able to provide that courtesy of the free trade agreement. So I, for one, look forward to our ongoing engagement with China. Might I also make this observation that any country that frees up its economic system as night follows day, so the political system frees up as well. As people enjoy more and more economic freedom, they want more political freedom as well. Let me uh, talk about uh, this uh, engagement that we have with China, uh, but then it goes towards the rest of the world too. Our dollar is falling. Uh, is this a good news issue in amidst all of this economic bad news that we're talking about? And confidence is another big issue we can talk about, but the dollar is falling. When you start to talk about these opportunities we have around the world, does this create something of a, a possibility to buffer uh, some of the bad news we're hearing? The falling Australian dollar is a bit like interest rates. Um, if you're a homeowner or in the home buying market, low interest rates always suit you. If you are an investor or a self-funded retiree relying on the interest rate, basically the higher the interest rate, the better for you. So it is with the exchange rate for the Australian dollar. Depends in what business you're in, but the lower Australian dollar at the moment clearly makes our 
agricultural and other exports more affordable in the world markets and as a result we are able to uh, see hopefully some future growth in those areas. Um, Also it means that uh, imports become somewhat more expensive which not that good for consumers but of course good for local manufacturers who in the past have had difficulty in competing uh, with some of the cheaper imports. Let me ask you about consumer confidence because at this time of year, uh, getting the outlook we're getting today, uh, this uh, mid-year budget review, uh, it doesn't do any good for the confidence of people who are ready to spend perhaps for Christmas uh, getting economic news that actually shows a red light to spend. I suspect you want people to spend uh, and keep the economy uh, alive, but uh, but there really is a, a, a dipping confidence at the moment. With all things economic, it's always striking at the right balance, be it the level of the Australian dollar, be it the level of interest rates, be it the level of consumer confidence. At the moment, we are seeing a level of consumer confidence that I hope will continue to increase, especially over the next fortnight before Christmas. But at the end of the day, with the increased participation rate in the employment sector, that is one of those green shoots I was talking about earlier in the economy. More people think they might be in with a chance to get a job. So they're the things that give me hope that the economy is on the right track and we've got to make sure that those green shoots do actually come out in full leaf so that all Australian people can benefit in the economic recovery, which I have every confidence will take place. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. Senator Erica Betts is our guest. Let's hear from Wendy in Queensland. Hello, Wendy. Which town or city are you in? Queensland. Okay. What's your question for the Senator? Well, I'm just saying that um, I really think that things are pretty bad um, on the golf, like in, in Australia, and I think that they seem to be um, preferring. I, I mean, this. I, I think they should look after the people in their own backyard first. And just for instance, um, I have an. I am with an employment agency. I have part-time work, but the whole employment agency is run by Maori New Zealanders, and I'm not having. I love. Everyone. In fact, I come from an immigrant family on one side. But what I'm saying is, when my family came here, my everybody was they weren't treated preferred above anybody else. Everybody had to work their way up. Nobody got nothing for nothing. And my father worked till he was 77. And I'm just saying that um, I just see I've seen corrupt and un and wrong behaviour where people in this nation that even if they're illiterate, the kids, even if they've got learning problems, and I know the government keeps pouring all this money into this and that, but um, I think that they should prefer our people that are born here, people that are... Okay, Wendy, let's hear from Senator Abetz uh, some of those thoughts there. Senator, uh, how do they, they sit with you? I hear what Wendy's saying. We as a government do seek to prefer 
those that are Australians and Australian citizens in employment situations. That is why to get a Section 457 visa, for example, the case has to be made out that there is a shortage of that particular skill set within the Australian economy before a person can come in uh, to the country. However, I am very mindful of the fact that there are um, many backpackers around Australia, many seasonal workers doing work that regrettably Australians aren't willing to do at the moment and I think we can readjust that to a certain extent. Having said that, uh, the seasonal worker program, especially with the Pacific Islands, is creating great dividends both for the Australian economy and for the Pacific Islanders, their families and their communities and for backpackers they become walking uh, tourism agencies right around the world when they go back home. Wendy from Queensland, thanks for your input today here on 2020. Senator, let me ask you about foreign aid because there's another cut announced today, another $3 billion, and that would be on top of the $7.6 billion in the May budget. Uh, A lot of uh, Christian commentators that I talk to uh, get very concerned when our foreign aid is cut because we're talking about issues of potentially clean water, of uh, immunisation programs, of support for people who are in developing nations, very, very poor people. And the idea that uh, in supporting those people in developing nations, we actually may be protecting the world uh, from things like the burgeoning terror threat that we have now. Is it a counterproductive thing? Uh, Because here's some more cuts, another $3 billion gone today. The foreign aid budget at the moment is, like with other parts of the budget, being heavily subsidised by borrowings and overseas borrowings. And the question I ask is uh, how many people in the local church community give to their local church on the credit card having no idea where the funding for that credit card is going to come from. That is why having a good sound economy that is going along well is the only answer to being able to provide a sustainable foreign aid budget on which people can genuinely rely. At the moment, we as a nation are borrowing far too much and when you see that we are borrowing $1 billion a month just to pay the interest, so that is $12 billion each year is being borrowed as we speak just to pay the interest on existing borrowings, the $3 billion cut to foreign aid actually does not seem that much, but that is the task of the problem that we have. And I say you know, to the Christian community in particular, um, the task is for us as individuals uh, to make contributions as we are led to. Those that seek to advocate publicly the government should be doing more Basically, people are saying, well, I want the government to take the money out of other people's pockets to send overseas, and somehow that salves my own conscience in relation to what my personal obligation might be in relation to assisting people overseas. <clears throat> Pardon me, Senator, we've run out of time and I uh, just want to thank you for your time today and I know that many of our listeners uh, will continue to uphold the government in prayer uh, as we do 
and uh, we look forward to another opportunity to talk sometime in the near future. Senator Abetz, thank you very much for being with us on 2020. Thank you very much. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.